Hey, so I'm here at Play NYC 2018, uh, and you guys have Rage 2 and uh, Just Cause 4 on display. And Generation Zero. And Generation Zero. Big, big titles. Big titles. Um, so tell us a little bit about Just Cause 4. Like, what's, what's make, What makes it different from Just Cause 3? A lot of things. Lots of new tech. We're, uh, we've been working with the Apex Engine, which is our in-house proprietary software that we use to actually generate the game, to work with the game. Um, a lot more explosions, a lot of... New That's always good. Yeah, always good. If you see our trailer, you can see there's some uh, sweet new tech in terms of in-game balloon usage. You can make cars fly and float in the air. Oh, that's wild. And you can, you can jump and ride the car and uh, turn it into your own little hovercraft. Nice. I remember I had a lot of fun with, uh, with the last one, Just Cause 3. Um, so the new engine, that's, I'm assuming, going to run better on Xbox and PS4 now as well, right? Everything is running really, really well with the physics, and everything is going great. I mean, that's why I, I paused, because that's not my, my forte. Gotcha. I work at the animation team. Uh, but I know from what I've played, everything's been playing really, really great. Everything's been running really well. All of the physics have been phenomenal. Our VFX team, our physics programmers, I mean, the team across the board has done a phenomenal job. The animations look super fluid, too. I feel like that's kind of tricky in a game that has so much action where you can literally pivot on a dime and blow something up to make everything smooth and react in such a physics-heavy game like that. Yep, so that is definitely something I can speak more that on. Is no, that, is no, that is no small feat, so no. kudos to that. Because no. I'm watching it, and it, I've watched people play, and everything is just very, very smooth, as well as being beautifully chaotic. Yeah, um, so I'm a technical animator, so I work very closely with the animation team, uh, as well as the animation programmers. And everyone's been working really, really hard to revamp and rework our animation systems and make them even more, like you said, snap on a dime, you know, turning thing, turning left, right. Anything that involves like a quick uh, animation feature, we've been working really hard on getting that and improving our rigs, our animations, our content, everything that goes underneath the hood that you might not even realize is happening, we're doing. Right, that's the magic of it is you don't see it and you know, it's, it's just you play it and it's, things just play out. The idea is that if it feels good and you don't notice it, we've done our job. Exactly, just like movies. If you don't see things and you know, you're whisked away, job well done. Yep. I'm very excited. Um, when is this coming out again? December 4th. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Holiday it's so season. soon. So soon. I love this trend that we're seeing where developers are kind of working on things very quietly. And then they're like, surprise, you're going to get it in less than a year. Yep. Uh, compared to, you know, some other times where, you know, people would announce things two, three, four years out. So this is very exciting. I, I, kept forgetting this is coming so soon. Yeah, we didn't really want to tease our fans. You know, we wanted to announce when we were ready to announce. We wanted to make sure that we had a game that we were confident in telling the world about. I think and it's a very good move. Yeah, and I mean, that's the same with all three of our games that we've announced. Um, I mean, Rage 2 looks great. Just Cause 4 looks great. Generation Rage, Zero Rage 2 great. looks so insane on a whole other level. Just wait. I mean, Just Cause 4 is going to come out in December. The other two games will be out next year. I mean, I think everyone's in for a real treat when it comes to Avalanche's games. Can you guys talk at all about how you how you were able to get Rage 2 development? Um, I can't speak on that. I'm on the Just Cause That's fine. Yeah. Well, I just saw a dinosaur. That is the Hunter Primal. That's, that's out. 
That's that's one of our self-published games that we've released. I, re I remember, I think that's on Steam, right? It I remember saying Steam. that. Yeah. yeah, I remember saying that. Anything that has to do with The Hunter is on Steam right now. That's that's our first ever self-published game, I believe. And it's been a, it's actually been a really, really big hit. Like, it's... I, know, I remember seeing it has a lot of very positive reviews on Steam. It does. I Honestly, when I first saw it, when I first started working at Avalanche, I'm like, oh, there's a hunting game. Like, I didn't know we worked on that. And then I got opened up to actually playing it, and it's the mechanics on it are really good, and it's it's a really, really good team that we have over in Stockholm that works uh, on the Hunter. Uh, I remember last year, uh, you guys were showing off, I think, was it a game called The Hunter? That was like a regular hunting game? Oh. Call of the Wild. Yeah. Uh, that game looked beautiful. Was that is that the engine that you guys are using for Just Cause 4, or is that a yeah. separate engine? Same engine. Rage 2, Just Cause 4, Generation Zero, The Hunter Call of Wild, every game we've ever made, except for one iOS game that we made. <laughs> it's all been... There's no I, I would love to see that run on iOS. Uh, that's, that's impressive, because those are very different games with very different demands and gameplay styles. So that's definitely a good way to test your engine. I mean, you're... You're going crazy testing the physics on a game like like Just Cause, and then you're testing the beautiful vistas and things you can pull off in all games. But you know, especially uh, Call of the Wild, like um, wow! At night um, in the tall grass, I remember seeing the moonlight shimmering through and stuff, and I was just like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Our engine can do a lot, and I think we've shown that we can be very flexible and do a lot of different things. I mean, Renegade Ops came out six years ago. And we used our proprietary engine, the same one that you see for like Just Cause 2, say. And we just handled the cameras differently, the gameplay differently, but it's all the same tech underneath the hood. And we can do a lot with that tech. I feel like, I know this may sound, people may not agree with me, but I put you guys and your engine up there with like Naughty Dog as far as terms of technical prowess and what you can like, what you can pull off. I feel like you guys really push the hardware in good ways. I appreciate the praise. That's really, really great to hear from someone coming from like the outside playing our games versus yeah. the people who work on them inside. It's I really hard to like when you work on a game, you're plugging away, you know your tech so well, yeah. you don't quite know what the other companies are doing, and they're doing phenomenal things too. So when, when you say that it makes me feel good and I know everybody else in the studio feels great about it. Well you guys should feel good because I mean you have wonderful looking games. Thank you. Cool. So uh, oh man. So uh, Rage Two and and Just Cause 4 coming out. So you guys, Zero. you get Generation Zero, you guys are working on big things. You wanna tell us about that quick, Generation Zero? Uh, yeah, so it's, um, I guess it's more like a post-apocalyptic kind of world. It's a four-player cooperative multiplayer game. And it's based in Sweden. Um, it's all self-published. We're working on the in-house. We're not working with, like with Rage 2, we're working with Bethesda. With Just Cause 4, we're working with Square Enix. This is all in-house. It's all, everything is just handled by Avalanche. And that's that's out cool. On Steam to start with. And we'll announce it. It's uh, early next year that it's coming. Okay, cool. So you guys have been very, very busy on very diverse, a very diverse portfolio of work. Yeah, we're trying really hard. That's we good. Push the envelope. We're trying to do many different things and make really good quality games. I know one thing that Christopher, our our head guy, has really, our CEO, yeah, has chief creative officer, CCO. The one thing that Christopher has really like tried to ingrain is that we want to make games that we're proud of playing and showing. And if he doesn't feel like it's at the par, if we don't feel like it's at the par, then we don't want to 
let the world know that we're making it. We, we want to let the world know that we're making a game that we're proud of, and I think it shows in the games that we've released and the games that we've announced. Oh, for sure. I mean, you guys have a very, very strong following of fans and things, and a very strong following of fans on, on all these different games that you make. But I think this Generation Zero will be a, a different leap. You know, it's a different type of game. It's a, it's a different self-published title. And I think we're very committed to doing more self-published games. Good. That's good. Cool. So thanks for uh, having the time to talk with us. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. I'm here at Play NYC checking out uh, Neon Krieger Yamato. What can you tell us about this game? Uh, the elevator pitch is imagine playing Metal Slug with like, a Street Fighter character. But really, the game is kind of like taking like my favorite piece of like, you know, the past like eight-bit, sixteen-bit kind of games, and like pulling like certain mechanics, certain like art styles, or like just like feels of certain games, kind of like meshing into my like, like my own like little like, I don't know, carpet or something. Yeah, it's very very fast arcade style. Uh, certain parts are fast in arcade. Certain parts are like more methodical. Like it's a, it's all about like understanding what your character's moves are, and like maximizing like your efficiency, kind of like. In certain situations, you'd want to do a certain kind of move. So you want to like, once you really know how to play the game, like you can you can do like long combos, you can do like stylish combos, uh, you can like, evade certain situations and not take damage and stuff like that. So, so it's, all it's, about, it's all about just like being precise with what you're doing. It's like a 2D action platformer, you'd say? Uh, yeah. Like, cool. Platform, brawler, like flat brawler kind of thing. Yeah, are there uh, a lot of big bosses and mid bosses and stuff like that? Uh, right now, there's like 10 bosses in the game. And the characters you play as are also the bosses. So it's like, it's kind of like a, like you know when you play Street Fighter, you pick one character and you'll fight the rest of the cast. Right. It's kind of the same thing, like, but in a platformer sense. Like, you'll pick the eight characters and the other, the eight characters also act as the bosses, but they're very like, uh, souped up, like like an actual like, platformer style boss fight. Right, right. So is this uh, single player, multiplayer as well? Uh, it's two player co-op. Oh, very cool. Can it be played single player or do you need two people? No, you can play single player, but it's much easier co-op. Oh, I believe that, just like watching people play it. It's, yeah, I mean, it's just like easier when you're playing with a friend. It's like, because I want, I want to be like, you know when you play like a game, right? And if it's really hard, you don't want to play with someone who's like, like not as good. Yeah, right, right. It's more, it's super, I made it more lean in co-op mode. So like, you know, you want to play with your friends and you're not discouraged. Like, like don't play with me because you're not like skilled enough or whatever. It's just like, just... We can play together and we can be together. Like, yeah, just it's all about just having fun. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, is there? Uh, do you know what platforms you're thinking of putting this out on? Uh, right now, the page is up on Steam, but it's not released yet. But it is wishlistable. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Yeah. Uh, this is a really cool game. So, thank you. Thanks. So I'm here at Play NYC checking out what is uh, one of my favorite games actually that I've seen here called Hamsterdam. Uh, it is a charmingly cute-looking brawler for mobile and Switch. Uh, can you tell me a little more about it? Yeah, sure. So um, in Hamsterdam, uh, you are a kung fu fighting hamster, and an evil chinchilla has taken over your town, and he's abducted the citizens, and it's your mission to free them and, by extension, free your grandpa. And so the game uh, is played by tapping and swiping, and it's kind of a, a mashup between a brawler and a rhythm-based combat. Yeah, I noticed that. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Yep, um, so you can see here, so there's, um, we take a lot of inspiration from games like um, Batman Arkham City and Shadow of Mordor, where it's kind of a, a crowd control brawler, 
So we tried to simplify those controls into just fitting into a tap and swipe format. But we also do things like uh, our bonus stages are infinite runners. And our boss stages, we kind of play with those tapping and swiping mechanics to give you a little bit more variety. Yeah, it's smart. It's a smart way to mix it up. And they all look equally fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we did a lot of uh, work to make sure that um, the user doesn't get too bored just doing one thing. So there's a lot of stuff that'll uh, keep you busy. The animation, so I love the color palette because it's very bright. Uh, and the animations are incredibly fluid. Like this is, this is a very, very, very polished game. Even you know in its current form that I'm seeing right here. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, we uh, we actually have part of our team just uh, one person dedicated solely to animating all of our characters, and he yeah he's done an incredible job. Um, shout out to Derek Chow, who's our animator. Um, yeah, he's uh, actually a practitioner of uh, Wang Chung, and so he kind of has a martial arts background. Oh, interesting. That that actually would help a lot with uh, the kind of animations he has to pull up. Absolutely, yeah. He's taken what uh, he's known. Um, he's actually an instructor, and he's kind of made it into a hamster foo style, we call it. Yeah, I like the, uh, the different action camera angles and the slowdown and stuff you guys pull off. It all just flows. The presentation flows and comes together really nice. And it's one of the more unique games I've seen here as far as its art style and everything. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we actually... Um, so the art style is born out of um, our working on another title called Guns of Icarus Online, which is a steampunk vehicle game. And we worked on that for a number of years before we kind of threw up our hands and said, well, what's the complete opposite of that? Oh, so, definitely this. Yeah, exactly. We arrived at uh, kind of cute hamsters doing kung fu. Very cool. So this is coming to uh, iOS and Android. Do you know when? Yeah, so I think we're about um, three months away from release, about three months, and you can see us on the um, iOS and the Play Store, and of course the Nintendo Switch as well. Uh, I am very excited about the Switch. So we were talking yesterday, and you actually told me you prefer the Switch out of all the ways to play. Can you elaborate on that? I do, yeah. Um, originally, yeah, we had um, only our, the tap and swipe controls for mobile plans, but we got a hold of a Nintendo Switch, and we mapped all of the um, controls, the countering and the attacking, to the Joy-Cons. And it turns out it's a lot of fun to like shake your arms for the punching, and all the quick time events are mapped to um, other Joy-Con motions. And it feels like you're really involved in the fight. It feels like you're the person fighting in the yeah. scene. I'm excited because this game is the one that I feel like would kind of get robbed a little bit on a smaller screen as far as the art style. Because first off, the screen's so small. And second of all, your hands are kind of in the way. So I'm actually really excited to play this on Switch in docked mode on my TV, just kick back on the couch or probably stand up, I don't know, and try and do some hamster kung fu. Yeah, yeah, either one is great. Um, everything also just looks bigger on the big screen. Yeah. So um, yeah, just uh, setting it up on a nice big screen and playing in front of it, you get to enjoy all of the animation and all of the art without worrying about covering up the, the feedback that we worked so hard to put in. Are there any like uh, upgrades or like buffs and debuffs or anything like that in here? Yeah, it looks like I'm seeing some items, but I'm not, I'm not really sure. There are. So we Oh, have, I see cosmetics. Yeah, we have an item shop, and um, all of those items have special abilities that are tied to them. So for instance, um, there's like four slots on your body. You can change your tracksuit, you can change your gloves, you can put a hat on, you can put glasses on. And all of those items correspond to special abilities. And they're really tailored to suit certain types of gameplay. 
Okay. So you can customize your uh, customize your hamster, and you can play the game uh, as you like to play it. So for mobile, because I know people listening are going to be wondering, have you guys figured out, are you going to go free to play, or is it going to be like a one-time premium, not premium, but priced title that gets you the whole game? Yeah, so we're definitely, in the, at least in the Western markets, we're going for a premium title. Um, I think that's a smart move. Yeah, I think somewhere around the like the five dollar uh, price point is what we'll be looking at. Um, oh, that's totally worth so, it. Oh yeah, so hopefully, uh, yeah. There's a lot of content in the game. I think it's worth the the five dollars for sure. Cool. So you heard it, Hamsterdam. Look for it on iOS, uh, Android, and Switch. Thanks for taking the time to talk. Yeah, thank you. All right. So the next game I'm checking out is Antipole. Uh, how would you describe this? It's a class. Antipole is a classic uh, Mega Man style 2D pixel art platformer. Kind of draw our core gameplay more from classic Mega Man. The visuals kind of go more for Mega Man X or like DS Castlevania, games like that. Uh, the core hook of the game is you have the ability to reverse gravity. I see that, yeah. So when you press the button, hold down the trigger, you're going to create a field around you where gravity is reversed. You get a limited energy meter for this ability so while you're have energy for this you can reverse gravity anything caught in that field is going to feel the gravity change so you're going to float up to the ceiling enemies around you they're going to feel the change too you can use it to pick up power-ups items around you anything is going to it's not bolted down it's going to feel this change so you're going to use this ability for combat for platforming to solve puzzles I'm going to keep throwing new challenges at you, new ways to use it throughout the entire game. Yeah, I remember I remember last time when I played this at PAX, there were quite a few really cool puzzles in the way that you uh, you played with that mechanic. Yeah, well, some levels are platforming-based, some are puzzles. The boss fights all make you use the gravity in a different way. So the whole thing is I tried to keep a core mechanic that was simple and easy to understand and just find new ways to use it, new things to make you think the whole time you go through the game. Yeah, it's looking really good, too. It's nice, polished art style, uh, music, everything like that. Thanks. Um, what, what systems are you targeting? Now we're looking at PlayStation, Vita, Xbox, Steam. Oh, wow, Vita. Yeah, it's, we got it going on Vita. Giving some Vita love. Yeah, you know, it was easy. Once we're on one Sony system, it was a lot easier to get the second one going. And I think the Vita's got a nice audience for the classic pixel art games, platformers, things like that. The, the Vita fan base is a loyal fan base, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it's you know, a smaller fan base, but the core audience on that is loyal to the platform, and they've been asking for it. So, we went Very cool. Oh, is it going to be uh, cross by cross save? You think? Yes. Oh, cross save too. Uh, cross save, I don't know. Okay, but cross by. Just definitely cross by. But uh, we'll got to figure out if cross save makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be nice though. You know, have it on both systems for one price. I always thought that was a really nice, uh, nice perk. Yeah, as a gamer, I always loved it when you got the multiple systems that tied together. When 3DS, Wii U, PS4, Vita did that kind of stuff, I thought that was a huge value add for the gamer that made it so much more attractive. So. Yeah, of course. I mean, especially if you're supporting that platform and that ecosystem with multiple console purchases. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it costs nothing for me, for Sony or Nintendo or whatever, but it adds so much to the gamer, and it's just so much easier to draw that. And 
I, I just see it as a win-win all around to support that. Very cool, very cool. Uh, do you know what window, like time frame you're targeting for release? Right now, we're doing final bug fixing and talking to Sony and Microsoft to work our way through the certification progress process. We're trying to figure out how to book the slots and everything. Oh, all, the, all the fun stuff. So, yeah, it's a lot of business overhead and, bore, and boring bug fixes at this point. I don't. I haven't done cert myself on PlayStation or Xbox before, so I don't know all the hurdles that are ahead of us. It might come out at the end of this year. It might slip to next year. Yeah, but relatively, relatively soon compared to other games. So that's yeah. cool. Um, where can people uh, get the most up-to-date info on release? Check our website saturninegames.com or follow us on Twitter at saturninegames the best places to catch us. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, thanks for talking with us. All right, so we're taking a look here at Swim Sanity. Uh, really cool game I got to check out yesterday. It looks like it's coming to Steam, Xbox One, and PS4. Uh, do you mind telling us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. So I'm Khalil Abdel with Decoy Games, uh, co-founder and developer. My brother's on the sticks over there. He's the other co-founder and developer. And this is Chris, the full everything art-wise. He did everything in the game from scratch. But this is Swim Sanity. It's a four-player underwater shooter. The basic concept is a game you control an underwater hero called a Muba. This character, as he does damage, his unleash bar fills at the bottom of the screen, and once your unleash bar starts flashing, you can unleash some sanity, which is one of many different power-up moves in the game, like a medic, you can turn into a full shark and rage uh, attacks on all the enemies in the game, a piranha attack, and more and more and more that we didn't, we're not even showing everything today. We have eight different game modes in it, um, both competitive and cooperative, so your standard uh, deathmatch, capture the flag, elimination, and we have a full-blown campaign mode and survival as well, with others that we're planning on announcing soon too. So we got a lot here for you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I played it yesterday. There's a lot of uh, a lot of skill required to yeah. maneuver around. Yeah. Uh, we got beat by a couple of kids. They were pretty good. <laughs> uh, I really like the art style, and I like the who chose the underwater setting because it kind of makes it different from a lot of other games like this that we've been seeing that take place on like sci-fi or regular platform tops and stuff. So what, what inspired the underwater uh, environment? Yeah, so I actually, from an artistic perspective, I got pulled in the project after it was already decided that it was gonna be an underwater game. Uh, Khalil here had actually worked on it as a senior in college at uh, UMass. This started as a flash project for one of his final computer science classes. The original game was called Swim Sanity Adventures of Jiver the Scuba Diver. Wow, that is quite the name. I'm glad you guys, I'm glad you slimmed it down, because man, when I got to write about games like that, I'm like, uh, who named this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, uh, it definitely has gone from a very kind of big, uh, almost elusive project at times to something that we've narrowed down and nicely refined. Um, but to, you know, to your point that there are a lot of other platformers and definitely games that kind of resemble this, uh, what we think one of our key differences is, is like the physics, right? You'll actually find that when you pick up the controller, you feel like you're underwater. Your character moves with some level of resistance as if they were swimming. A lot of the bubble and lighting effects that we put into the game also help immerse the player in making them feel like they're in a true underwater experience. Yeah, I like the way that you guys, you have it designed too, so the water's flowing in the background. It just adds to that that environment and that ambience a lot more. Yeah, and that was a big experimental process for us. We went through several hours of just tweaking different effects to really get that immersion that you're talking about. Uh, and then one other thing that, that certainly helps is who doesn't like getting chased by a massive shark or, or turtle? Piranha. Right, exactly. Any of these really big, well-known sea creatures, we're pretty sure that we have them covered and have some kind of variation in our game for you to enjoy. 
now correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember if it was you guys, because there's an underwater game upstairs too, a VR one, yep. but I think it was here. I was asking if you, if somebody here played Subnautica, and they got really excited. No, okay, never mind. Oh, would have been never mind. Okay. We've, we've been so heads down on this project for years now that we actually feel a little bit bad at times. We kind of miss some of these other underwater games that we feel like we share some fraternity with in a way, you know? it's. Uh, so I have a random question for you that I'm sure you get all the time. Yeah. Are you thinking of bringing this to Switch? Well, that, well, that is not a random question. <laughs> That's a question we've been getting all day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're uh, working on bringing it to Switch. Uh, we're talking to them right now. If you guys want it on the Switch, tweet Nintendo. Let them know that we this game should be on the Switch. Uh, I we, mean, it feels at home on it. If you had us pick one console and said we could only release it on one console, it would have been the Switch originally. So uh, that's where we want it to be. At this point, if we get approved for it, we'll probably be a staggered release, though. Okay. At this point in the development, where these release early 2019, maybe maybe Switch like late 2019 or so. Very cool, very cool. I think that's all I have. So uh, oh, cool. look look forward to Swim Sanity. A really cool game coming to all platforms. Possibly switch. Yeah, Let yeah. people know. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool, though. So thanks for taking the time. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Hey. So I was checking out miasma. Miasma. I was checking out miasma caves, and I've seen this a couple throughout the years, um, and uh, you know I've played it, and it's definitely smooth and polished, and it's it's really you know coming into its own. Can you tell us a little bit about it? So uh, Miasma Caves is an exploration game where you go through a randomly generated cave system looking for treasures. You play as this dragon girl, Leseth, who's trying to help uh, revitalize her village by finding the treasures and uh, learning about the caves. Um, all the dangers in the cave are uh, environmental, so it's like cave-ins and poison gas and pitfalls. Uh, the critters in the cave are not aggressive. But while they won't attack you, they will find uh, ways to be a nuisance through your expedition. Like yesterday I was playing and the slime was stealing treasure. Yeah, like, they love doing that. Damn slimes. They get hungry. They do. <laughs> uh, so, so you collect this treasure. Uh, uh, tell, us, tell me about, like, the... So you have a pickaxe, but your equipment can break, you said. Yeah, so a pickaxe is sort of a tool to help dig through, like, small sections of the cave. Like, if, like, you see, like, a hole and maybe, like, make the hole bigger and get into this other room or maybe a treasure is, like, buried in the ground so you can, like, like just dig it out. Yeah, and then, uh, so if your pickaxe or your tools break, you yeah. use the money to buy more. Yeah. Uh, you can always dig with your hands, so, you know, you're not going to be stuck in a cave with no way out. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was interesting. Tell me about the, you were telling me yesterday about the lore that each item has. Yeah, so a lot of the um, lore is told through appraising the treasures. So some of them are just silly information about it, like the gems aren't going to be too history-filled. But you might also find like artifacts from an ancient civilization in the area, or you'll find equipment. And um, as you level up your appraisal skill, you can learn more about what the items are, which will also let you sell them for more. Ah, oh, very cool. So, what what were your what were the team's inspirations in this game? Like, what games did you look to, and you kind of wanted to incorporate that feel or that design? So, part of it came from how I originally played Minecraft. Of ah, that's not surprising. Finding a hole and just going down and exploring a toilet and only looking for diamonds, and I have to get it back to my house. Nothing else matters. Yes. So we decided, like, combat wasn't really needed because we wanted to focus more on discovery and like finding stuff. And then we like started implementing uh, other mechanics of stuff like Wrecketeer or some roguelikes, but without the combat to sort of change up 
like the uh, kind of feel it was. Yeah, yeah, cool. So what? Um What's the release window possibly looking like? Do you guys have any idea? Do you know what your what platforms you're targeting? Um, right now, we want to uh, get to Steam early access in a couple months, as long as we can iron out enough of these uh, bugs. And I, I can tell you, I can tell you, playing it this year, it's you're well on your way from where it was. I think it was like a pre pre alpha build a couple years ago. I played. Oh, like last year's. Uh, my other kid was such an early build. <laughs> you guys have come a really long way in just a year, so I mean, this is going to be a pretty, pretty good polished early access game when it hits. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And right now we're aiming for um, PC to start, and then after we get out of early access, we'll start looking for consoles like Xbox, PS4. Yeah, it's very a, cool. It's too much to try and oh, of course. Post at once. How big is your team? Uh, four people. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, that that does it right there. So, uh, cool. It was nice catching up. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks. All right. So, one of the games I played yesterday that took me by surprise was a title called Bacon Man. Uh, it is a pretty tough, not too tough, 2D action platformer. Uh, tell me a little bit more about it. Yeah. So, we have four playable characters, each one with uh, slightly different stats. Uh, we have seven different food kingdoms to explore. Uh, with around 20 plus total levels and uh, one of the fun things is that each kingdom introduces a different mechanic through either a weapon or a skill so as you keep going and going you're learning more and more in mechanics and then ultimately you're just doing crazy mechanical jumps and a lot of stuff like that and there's more than one character right yep we have bacon man lard lass pan and feta which one's your favorite I gotta go with Pan because she's she's like a wild child who got raised in the woods and has like a demon inside of her. It's awesome. That sounds that sounds nuts. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Do you know where this whole idea even came from? Uh, so it's it's very out there. Yes, it is. Uh, so originally, when the the guys back at SkyMap were making the game, they had the mechanics down. They knew the kind of game they wanted to make, but the theme they just weren't sure. And then when they started talking about the main character, someone made a joke like, "Oh, everyone likes bacon." That's very true. It just kind of stuck. The food, the game became a bit more food themed. We wrapped the story around it, a lot of food puns. Yeah. Okay. Has anyone compared it to Super Meat Boy? Once or twice, yeah. Which is kind of weird because they're very, very different games. Yeah. They just both have meat as the main character. Yep. The, the best comparison I've heard uh, this weekend, which I've never heard before, was Earthworm Jim. I could see that. Yeah, yeah I could definitely see that. that. There was like a light bulb that just kind of popped up, yeah. So uh, what, what platforms are you releasing on, and what, what uh, uh, window are you guys looking at? All right, so originally, uh, the game came out on Steam around two or so years ago as a Kickstarter project, but it was successful enough that we are now porting it to every single console. We have Xbox and PlayStation versions coming out very soon, no specific date yet, with the Switch version, the one we're showing off this weekend, coming out somewhere near the end of the year. Uh, I can look. For everyone listening, I can attest and say that the Switch version runs very smooth, uh, especially even in handheld mode, which is nice. Yeah. There's a reason, uh, even though that version's a little farther off, just it fits so perfectly on the Switch. Oh, it's like if it's one of those games that just, it just feels, feels like it's made for it. Yeah, we had to show it off this weekend. So yeah, and technically, this is our first time ever showing off the fact we have the Switch port, let alone like the state that it's already in. Oh man, podcast exclusive. Yeah, yeah we're also yeah. Every time we've been showing it off, everyone's like, oh, wow. that's wild. That's wild. Cool. Yeah. Uh, once we do have the specific dates, we're still waiting on some paperwork in the higher ups. Uh, they'll be posted on either BaconManGame.com or on SkyMapGames on Twitter. 
So there you go. That's where you can find the latest and greatest on Bacon Man. Woo. Thanks for uh, taking the time to get, chat with me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I checked out this really wild peripheral uh, device called Looking Glass. Um, I mean, it's like, it's just a block of magic. Can you tell us about it? Uh, well, yeah, it's our 3D display technology. It's something in between what people would call a light field display and a volumetric display. Uh, it's really a novel new way of enjoying 3D content in a group of people without a headset. Uh, it's like a kind of VR in a box, we've called it. And, you know, it's mostly for 3D creators, uh, people who are already working with 3D. You can view your stuff in a system like this instead of flat on a 2D screen. Like, who wants that? Right, and you have two different sizes, right? Yes, there's the smaller one, uh, which we're calling regular size, and then large size is like 15 inches, small one's like uh, 6 inches or so. And then, you know, we're also working on ultra big size for the for the distant future oh, wow. of a couple months from now. <laughs> Okay, and you have some pretty cool little games you could play on here too. Uh, is th is it going to kind of be a little gaming platform, or what's what's the idea behind all that? Uh, well, yeah, we've done uh, extensive work with Unity for all of our apps and games and interactive stuff. Uh, we're making that like SDK fully available for people to put in their games. It's sort of like a Instead of a regular 2D camera, it's like a volume, like a space where anything you put in there shows up in the system. And then what we're showing here today is actually work by uh, Lexalawful, uh, Joseph White out in Tokyo. He does, uh, he did Pico 8 very famously. Now he's working on this cool voxel engine for us that he ported to our system. And it's assuming that we reach uh, our Kickstarter stretch goal pretty soon. That'll be free with every Kickstarter system sold. You get this, like... That free. game is really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's, like, the best game that we have by far, and it's all thanks to uh, Lexalawful. Cool guy. Cool. Thanks a lot. So uh, people can find you on Kickstarter and buy one if they want one at a special price, early bird price? That's right. Uh, we've been doing an early bird price of 400 bucks, and that sort of... Those are all gone, but now there's, like, a... We're calling it the Sloth Special. It's 400 bucks, but you get it a bit later. Yeah, I think it was like a two-month lead time, I remember reading. Yeah, and that's, for the early birds, it was like in December, but you can still get it for 400 bucks to receive it in February. Very cool. Cool, thanks for uh, thanks for chatting with us. Yep, and that's, uh, or I mentioned the Kickstarter is at look.glass slash Kickstarter. You'll find us there. Oh, thank you. <laughs>